0: On your left is the mailbox that inspired the From the Inbox logo. As you can see, we've brought it in here in its original condition, completely painted white and two-dimensional. Now, if you follow me through here, you can see the desk setup that was used to record the podcast. Sometimes, if we're lucky, we're able to catch a glimpse of the host at work. Oh, look! Look! Shh! shh, shh. Everyone, everyone, be quiet! Quiet! Be quiet! 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 Please, quiet down, please. <coughs> There he is. This is so exciting. Make sure your flash is off before taking pictures, please. Oh my God, it's too bright. Ah. So anyway, that's why this podcast is a day late. I know it's supposed to come out earlier on Tuesdays, but here we are. Blame the tour group, okay? Either way, welcome to the fourth episode of From the Unbox, the podcast, podcast. Part radio show, part podcast, all music. I'm your host and Dusty Organ founder, Kane Wilkinson, and I just want to say thank you for joining me, and also for refraining from using flash photography while you listen. And on this week's show, I've got seven fantastic, I say this every week, I've got seven wonderful songs that I'm truly ecstatic about sharing with you, including one that will only be out Wednesday. So that might be either later this afternoon, depending on when you're listening, or tomorrow. Either way, to coincide with its release, I've gotten an exclusive interview to end the show as well. So don't forget to stick around for that. It's going to be a big show. It's going to be a long one. Just going to strap in, but it's going to be worth it, I promise I'm just excited that you're here with me for it. Now, I know I'm probably the first person in the world to bring this up, but can you believe that it is already December? Look at us. Who would have thought? We made it. Crazy, I know. And this is your friendly reminder to start your holiday shopping, like, right now. Do it. You Just do it while you're listening to this. I don't know. But wait. Don't do it before you subscribe to the show. First, subscribe to the show. Follow it. Do whatever it has to do. And then start shopping. You know, you can multitask. And speaking of shopping, if you want to get a head start and you're looking for something nifty to put under the tree, head over to dustyorgancom slash shop and see what goodies good old Kane Claws has for you. Hint, I've got toques and some sweet swag. Uh, that way you can support your favorite blogger. Another hint, it's me. I'm your favorite blogger. But I'll get more details on the merch stuff later in the show. As always, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify as Dusty Organ. Just follow me on one of those. It's definitely the best way to stay up to date on all the best new music. I post on those platforms every single day. Other than having DustyOrgan.com as your homepage, that would probably be the best option, actually. You know what? Do that. Go do that before you do Christmas shopping. Put DustyOrgan.com as your homepage. It makes the most sense. All right, I'll let you take care of all that fun stuff while I get this show started. It's always a great feeling when a bass line just absolutely slaps. You know what I'm saying? That punchy groove just seeping through the music. Mm. On Brighton art rock group Youth Sector's new track, Teeth, the bass line steals the show with its lively 70s funk spirit. Now, don't get me wrong, the rest of the track is absolutely awesome. It's a wonderful treat. And, you know, fans of the Talking Heads, Parquet Courts, all those types of bands, you're going to really like this British alt rock vocal style, and punchy percussion, and the chorus's hook is next level. You can just hear how much fun the song is to play, and their infectious energy makes it almost impossible not to bop along to. Interestingly enough, according to the band, lyrically, the song explores the sinister magnetism of untrustworthy people and the way they can enter the lives of those vulnerable to their charms. Which makes perfect sense now that I think about it, because this song itself just ropes you in without any rationality, and aside from that sinister backstory, this song is wonderful and a must have. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about after you hear this. Here is Teeth by <laughs> You. Zachary.
1: no
2: Sing vowel play, but they're
1: not. Oh, they can stop, they can stop. You start to flex up the wall, too. And y'all soon bold. Should and you'll next.
0: Let me see your teeth. Oh, man, I'm telling you, that hook is going to be stuck in your head all week, because it has been for me. Don't forget as well, you can check out all these songs that I'm playing for you this week on my From the Inbox blog post that is live right now. I change it up every single Monday. There's a Spotify playlist that I update weekly, and the post goes live every Monday as well. There's 26 songs, I think, 25 or 26 songs that are this week that you can skim through, seven of which, or actually, no, know, technically six of which are on this episode right now. Now, speaking of stuff that gets stuck in your teeth... I mean, stuck in your head. Vancouver indie pop artist Ashley Ball is back with another upbeat, vibrant indie pop tune. You may recognize her name as the lead singer of indie rock trio Hey Ocean. And for those of you that are familiar with her previous work with the band, her solo stuff is just as fun and exciting. With the new album coming out in 2021, Ashley Ball has shared her new single, Keep On Pretending. But this one's got a bit of a peculiar backstory. Now, have you ever heard of pareidolia? Well, thanks to a combination of Ashley Ball and Google, it's the tendency to incorrectly perceive stimulus as an object, pattern, or meaning. Like when you see faces in inanimate objects or shapes in clouds, even hearing hidden messages in music. Growing up, Ashley says she was constantly seeing faces in inanimate objects. She elaborates, As a kid, I would see faces in everything. The bathtub faucet, the fire hydrant on the corner, the vacuum cleaner. Every cloud in the sky. As I got older, it became especially significant in the trees. I started getting to the point where I couldn't take a walk in the woods without personifying every single tree I passed. I was constantly being followed by these stumps with faces. Was I losing touch with reality? Was there a deeper meaning in hand? I like to think, personally, that maybe she was just Snow White running through the forest in the original 1937 animated film. If you know, you know. Like I just mentioned, if you head over to the From the Inbox blog post that's up for November 30th, you can check out the music video for Keep on Pretending, which features animated faces on trees following her around the forest. It's actually not as creepy as it sounds, I promise. It's actually very colorful and free-spirited, which is a fitting description for Ashley as well. Now, without further ado, here is Keep on Pretending from Ashley Ball.
2: Things, faces, in the trees, and it seems that they're staring right at me those eyes man they're open so wide then i'm totally freaked out that someone will catch me i'm finding faces and inanimate objects i'm totally obsessed nobody's asking why i'm looking back and you wouldn't believe what i see in those trees man i need some relief yeah keep on pretending that it Days come grace the ones I can't see, and it seems that I'm not getting younger, even though I'm a kid in my heart. Yeah, I'm throwing a tantrum, I can't run from anger. I'm screaming out loud, can you even hear the sound of my voice as it echoes right off? Yeah, I'm trying to stop you, I'm just trying to catch a vibe. Throwing knives up, and nobody's asking why. Keep on pretending that it doesn't mean anything.
0: Alright now just a forewarning, I would like to make a disclaimer here that the following names may be butchered. I apologize in advance. Norwegian producer and multi-instrumentalist Lokoi has quietly become one of 2020's most exciting artists. His upcoming debut album Badminton will be out in January, and I'm already thinking it's going to be one of my favourites of the year. It's a very collaborative piece, with Lokoy bringing in friends to dish out vocal duties. You might have heard the track Both Eyes a couple weeks ago featuring Safario. that was in a different From the Inbox roundup, but this is Lokoi doing something a little different. His new single is A Mistake. That's the title. Not that it was a bad idea or anything. Featuring Norwegian vocalist, I apologize, Emily Oosterbue, sorry, Uh, A Mistake is a wonderfully fuzzy, poppy, bedroom punk track about the ebb and flow of relationships. If you've been following some of Miramassa's newer stuff, or the glow-up of Claro, then you'll find a nice sweet spot for this one. I've been listening to it all week, I had an article written about it, it's on the From the Inbox, now it's on this playlist. I can't stop listening to this. No regrets. Here is a mistake, still a little weird to say, from Lokoi and Emily Gustabu.
2: As far as picking up the bad habits
0: loves a great success story. Now the following story might not be about somebody making millions you know I guess it depends on your description of success but I think in the case of UK power punk act Beach Riot the success is the band existing in the first place. Vocalist and guitarist Cami Menditigi left her home country of Argentina at 18 in hopes of starting her own band. That is a bold move Cotton let's see how this plays out. Considering she lived on a remote horse farm She had to raise funds to make the dream a reality. So, what did she do? She did what any smart person would do. Betting on horse races. I'm not making this up. At least, you know, she grew up with horses, so she knew what she was getting herself into, I guess. Either way, she made some winnings, flew to London, and at a show, happened to meet her bandmate, Rory O'Connor. Soon, they bonded over ice cream, weird guitars... PJ Harvey, Mud Honey, 4AM Mozzarella Sticks, Dark Comedy, Dungeons and & Dragons, and Bright Beach Hangover Fry-Ups, whatever the hell those are. If you know what those are, DM me, send me a picture of some Hangover Fry-Ups. Either way, voila, boom, you got it, Beach Riots, they're born. And they officially made their debut back in 2017 with a single, and have now officially announced their debut full-length subatomic party cool, will be out June 2021. So clearly, these 4am mozzarella sticks are paying off with dividends. So from this upcoming album is the new single, Blush. It's an exciting power pop rock tune with a lot of similarities to Silver Sun pickups, Royal Blood, and even a little bit of Foo Fighters in there. Hopefully you've got a pair of good headphones on right now, or some speakers you can crank up, because when that chorus hits that ridge just right, these he'll sing. Yes, I snuck it in an Emperor's New Groove reference. That is two Disney cartoon movie references in one show. You're welcome. Now the song's got a really crunchy guitar riff, but they managed to make things pretty bright and summery. Speaking of which, not only is the music nice and summary, but the band have launched an exclusive Raspberry Blush craft beer. Mmm, ah. Where's the tour guide from before? Now there's only 50 units available, if I remember correctly. And you actually get a, I was looking into it, you get a nice fun bundle with your purchase as well. I think there's some cool merch in there. Uh, So if you want some information on that, I think it's probably only exclusive to the UK, but go check out their Bandcamp page for more information on that. And I'm sure Beach Riot are one of those bands that you just need to see live. And I truly, truly, truly hope that one day I do get to see it happen in person. They sound like they would be an absolute treat. So fingers crossed for everybody involved here, especially them probably because it's probably a bigger deal for them to be performing than it is for me to go see them perform. But either way, fingers crossed, people. So get an idea for yourself and listen to Blush from Beachwalk. Sometimes it's very easy to compare yourself to other people. You know what they say, the grass is always greener on the other side. But what can also be a really fun, exciting source of anxiety is comparing yourself to, well, yourself. How many times have you made goals or ambitions or whatever, and a few years later you look back and think, damn it, where the hell did that optimistic, ambitious person go? For former repartee frontwoman Meg Warren, that realization hit after she started questioning her place in the music industry. Her new song, Wild Woman, is the perfect anthem for trying to figure out what went wrong. Here she is on the single.
3: Wild Woman was written at a time when um, I was having a hard time even imagining what my future in music would look like. I had left my previous project and that project that band was really busy and we spent years touring across the country and when I left I was really sick I was um, dealing with depression and I didn't know how I was going to be able to get back up on stage and do that I felt very far removed from my life when I was in my last band so um, that's that's essentially what wild woman is about
0: Now while the song is certainly a hard look in the mirror, it's also that bit of tough love that can be a much needed boost. Now based in Toronto, Meg has just released her debut solo EP A Thousand Ways, and the Newfoundland Transplant has a lot to look forward to with the new album. Wild Woman is certainly a standout track, with her triumphant voice asking, where is that Wild Woman? Well, here she is, Meg Warren's Wild Woman.
3: in the car.
0: of making big moves, I think this is a great time to let everyone listening know about my new merchandise. So, winter's here, and I've got some very, very cozy toques for you to purchase. If you're from Canada, they're 18 bucks plus shipping. I figured out a way to keep it down to five bucks. Uh, I've got black or dark gray, and uh, if you'd like to be an even bigger supporter, there's a really fun winter bundle option, which includes a toque of your choice, plus some stickers, buttons, coasters, you know, the fun small swag stuff. And... A secret code for an exclusive item that only the truest of the true can find out about. If you get a winter bundle and you share what that thing is with somebody who does not have a winter bundle, I swear to God. Anyways, yeah, head over to dustyorgan.com slash shop to find out all about that. There's also some smaller options too if you want to just support and, you know, I don't want to say donate, but donate to the website to keep it alive and healthy. Um, I'll be happy to send you something your way as well. So, you know, don't be shy. Now, if you'd like to support me but don't want to empty your pockets, that's fine. I get it. This is a weird year. I'm only slightly offended. Instead, you should subscribe to my newsletter at the very least. It's free, and I send out something fun once a month. You know, just keep you guys in the loop and keep spirits high, right? That's what's most important. And if you'd like to leave your mailing address, I will send you a thank you card. So this is actually costing me for you to sign up for a newsletter. Imagine that. I'm paying you to sign up for my newsletter. That's how much it's worth your time. Don't do the math. Anyways, let's keep the show moving. I've got two more tracks for you to get your ears on, including one from yet another fantastic artist that is surely going to make an even bigger statement in 2021. I'm saying it probably not first, but I'm definitely saying it now. London indie singer-songwriter Arlo Parks is going to have a wonderful 2021. I can feel it. Her debut album, Collapsed in Sunbeams, is coming out on January 29th, and she's been releasing singles all year, which is the reason why I have such a good feeling about this one she's been sealing the hearts of indie music lovers around the world with her lovely, sultry voice and slick bedroom rock instrumentation. I'm very excited to share her new track, Caroline, on the podcast because she is certainly a star in the making. Coming out of her shell at 17, Arlo explains in a press release that she was the uncool tomboy growing up, and as she puts it, I'm a black kid who can't dance for shit, listens to emo music, and currently has a crush on some girl in my Spanish class. But by the end of her teenage years, she realized she was bisexual, shaved her head, and wrote an album worth of material. When I was seventeen, I think we went through this on the first episode, not doing that much. On her new album, she's taking these stories and moments of her formative years and she's turned them into little vignettes on Collapse and Sunbeams, including Caroline, which is actually about people watching. Arlo's soft angelic vocals tell the made up stories of strangers adding emotion to everything she touches. It's like a gift. The melancholic bedroom pop vibe of her music certainly helps. And if some of you are Glass Animals fans, you might have heard her on their remix of Tangerine recently, but Arlo Parks is definitely going to make a statement as her own. So sit back and enjoy Caroline from Arlo Parks.
4: Flushed with defeated rage Then he spilled his coffee as he franted. Great His head between his knees. Maybe if she took a prize, she would know I did it over her. Agony and hints of sage, her eyes blind with disappointment. I couldn't recognize her face. Shots of glass live in this feeling. Have to somehow stop her leaping.
0: we're getting close to the end of the show so thank you very much everybody who's been sticking out with me this far and letting me share some of my favorite songs it means a lot to me i'm not exaggerating when i say that i'm running on less than five hours of sleep trying to bring this all this together making sure you get all the best new music as soon as possible if you've made it this deep into the episode then you deserve to know that i appreciate you thank you sorry uh without getting too sentimental don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are using. As well, find me on social media at Dusty Organ and tell all your friends. Because that's how stuff goes viral, I think, right? I don't know. Make it happen. Otherwise, the evil algorithm monsters will visit you at night and only recommend Nickelback for the rest of your life. Now, who would want that? Imagine just getting one playlist of just Nickelback for the rest of your life. Like, they've got some good songs, don't get me wrong. But, like, you don't want that cursed now, do you? Avoid the algorithm. That's all I'm saying. Now, with all that witchery out of the way, this last artist has quite a story to tell. Kingston-based singer-songwriter Michael C. DeGay was writing and performing music up until 2011, when his life had been taken over by alcoholism, mental illness, and homelessness. He spent the following eight years away from music, but eventually found his way back in 2019. He recently put out a new album, The Winter of Our Discotheque, back in September, And now as a follow-up, he's putting out its sister album, The Winter of Our Discotheque Reprise, which is out this Friday, December 4th. Featuring a handful of remixes, covers, and collaborations from friends over the last year and a half, this companion album is more than just a do-over. One of the new singles, Leave Me If You Love Me, is remixed by Guelph electropop duo Brave Moon, and that song is coming out tomorrow, Wednesday, December 2nd. But, because you are a lovely listener to the From the Inbox podcast, we've got an exclusive first listen here right now for you. But, before I do play it for you, I sat down with Michael over Zoom last week to chat about his new album and his return to music. It's a very inspiring story, and I really hope you enjoy this interview. Take a listen.
5: I'm Michael C. Dugue. Um I'm a songwriter and artist and performer. I'm um, currently based in the Kingston area of central Ontario. I'm originally from Peterborough, Ontario, and I'm really happy to be here today.
0: Right on. So how does it feel to have, you know, be putting out new music in 2020? I know it's a big question to start off with, but I've, is it like a silver lining for you or anything? Or Well, I think
5: I have a bit of a unique relationship um, to it that, that carries its own sort of pros and cons, and that, um, you know, I haven't released music in over eight years. I took most of those eight years away from music completely. So I wasn't writing, I wasn't performing, I wasn't uh, recording or, or doing anything um, because I was facing some pretty serious uh, health issues at the time. Um, you know, in around 2018, early 2019, I, I really focused on my health and, and became, became well, I became sober and I restabilized my life. And a big part of that was my desire to start playing music again. I had a pretty, pretty serious um, addiction to to pharmaceutical medication and alcohol um, and some pretty serious mental illness going on. And so when, when I took most of that time away, I was, you know, I was really just sort of scrambling, um, trying to take care of that to the best of my ability, um, which a lot, of, a lot of the time meant just sort of enabling those those things. And then I uh, started playing music again a bit during 2018, but I was still using and still struggling with my health. And I um, reached a point where it was pretty clear that I was not going to be able to play music and drink and do drugs at the same time, that it was really going to be one or the other. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'm here today. So obviously I chose the music route. Um yeah. And started making music again in, in 2018, 2019, I started recording this record with no real sort of plan. It was really just I had all these bits and pieces of songs that I wanted to start assembling into some sort of package, which turned into this record I put out in September, uh, the winter of our discotheque. I finally get it done and then this pandemic hits. And you know, I've already taken almost a decade away from music and, and touring, and then and then it's happening again. So when I say that I have a bit of a unique relationship to, I mean that I don't know a whole lot of other folks. I'm sure there are some other ones who have been in similar circumstances where they took a break for whatever reason and came back and then were faced with this. So on one hand, it felt sort of unfair when I got, you know, sort of upset and selfish about it in like in March for, you know, a couple hours and then had to remind myself that I'm not the most important person in the world. Um, But on the other hand, I'm sort of prepared for it. I've taken so much time away that it's, you know, this is just sort of an extension of that. But the difference is now I'm healthy. So now I'm using this time to really sort of refine what I'm doing and really think a lot, you know, reflect a lot on what I, how I want things to go moving forward. And, you know, it's an opportunity to really define how I want things to look moving forward and set some, you know, set some goals um, in a way that I might not be able to, if I was swept up in some momentum or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, coming back to that idea of feeling selfish you know especially back in March I think everybody mm-hmm. at least like a week or two of that were just like I I want to be doing something like why is this affecting me so yeah. much but well it's so, incredibly
5: yeah. humbling when we when you know you take a moment to consider that every single person on the planet is affected by this you know that's that's yeah. a very ground grounding realization to have and of course it's really hard the enormity of that is really challenging to grasp you know in a way I'm I've been using the same sort of tools that that I've learned to use to deal with, you know, my addiction, to deal with this, you know, like acceptance, you know, like I have to just accept that this is happening and there's nothing I can do about it exactly. Yeah, you know, step one for sure. Um, I have to practice gratitude for what I do have. If I took this as an opportunity to be miserable and mad, like what, what was the point of like restabilizing my life and becoming healthy if I'm gonna be miserable? You know, like I'm trying not to play the like, you know um i'm not speculating about like what would this be like if i were touring and, and all that because i have no way of knowing and that's just not what happened and it's not what's gonna happen you know so yeah
0: what ifs can be very damaging in a way too so Big you time, nowadays yeah. Big you can't time. pretend because yeah it's already been what eight eight nine months since this whole thing started and a lot of artists especially are i'm sure i've played that what if game with touring and mm-hmm. uh you know writing new music and you know, meeting Mm -hmm. people and networking. So I, I sure, I sure have myself, but
5: yeah, certainly.
0: Well, and I think that like,
5: I really sympathize with like, you know, my younger peers, you know, people who um, say in their early twenties, who are just getting, you know, into it in a serious way, who are say, you know, like, I remember South by Southwest was the first thing that got canceled, you know, publicly that like, you know, that was the first sign that things like something major was happening. And I knew people who were, you know, I knew a lot of folks who were going down there to perform, and some of them were like, you know, young bands who had never really done that sort of tour, or done that sort of like industry festival before. Um, and that would be really, I, that would be really demoralizing, I think. Whereas, you know, I I've done that stuff before, and I know that in some form it'll remain, but it's not had the same effect as on me as like maybe somebody who who has not had the sort of opportunities like you know and the privilege that I had early on in my career. And simultaneously, I have friends who are much older you know, in their 50s and 60s who are, you know, long time career musicians um, who really rely on touring. And they're, you know, getting close to sort of retiring in a sense. And then now they're faced with this. So I'm kind of in this sweet spot. And this is not to gloat, but this sort of middle ground where like, I have the experience. So I'm not missing out on too much. Like I'm, I'm conscious of what I'm missing out on. And I know that it'll remain when I'm done. But I'm also not at a point where I was getting close to wrapping things up or anything like that, you know,
0: yeah. Actually, it's funny because I was talking to my dad about that the other day because he was talking about uh, ACDC's new album. And he's like, mm-hmm. I really hope, you know, that we can catch them on tour before, you know, either they break up yeah. or <laughs> another one bites the dust or something like that. Right. So, so yeah. it comes up pretty easily. So, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, too, since you said it was like an eight year separation from music. Was there any point of that time where you thought to yourself, like, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to making music?
5: Um, No, that thought, that thought crossed my mind. Um, You know, and like, when you're battling addiction, every day is sort of a different trip. Emotions are so enhanced and sort of experienced in these, these really like, these real extremes that there were times where I was, you know, I really reflected on the fact that I was never going to play music again. And one day I would feel that and experience it as like sort of deep resentment towards myself and the industry. And I would blame music for having like, you know, sort of preceded the addiction in a way or contributed to the addiction, which is not the case, but that's how I, you know, at the time I was processing it. Um, sometimes I would, I would think that I'd never play music again with a sense of relief. Um, sometimes um, I would think that I would never play music again and was very neutral about it. You know, it really depended where I was at on that day. Um, I think that, you know, there were times where I sort of tried um, and it really just didn't go well, you know, and um, yeah,
0: Do you have like an example of of anything specific? Do you know from that?
5: Well, you know, like when things started getting really bad, I had moved out to Sackville, New Brunswick, thinking that maybe if I moved to the other side of the country, I'd be able to, you know, deal with my problems. Um, But of course, what that meant is that I moved to a place where I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any sort of meaningful support. Um,
0: And and Sackville's not the busiest city
5: either. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not at all. I mean, it's a university town, but um, and there were there were tons of good people there, but like. You know, I got there and sort of immediately just imploded, right? And so people very, very rightfully and reasonably, you know, didn't really necessarily want to have a lot to do with me um, because I was just sort of a bull in a, in a china shop and a bull that was a total stranger, right? Um, and, you know, so I started writing songs a bit at that time. I put out there, like when I moved there, so I recorded a record in Peterborough in like 2010. And then I moved to Sackville and put it out in Sackville, which was sort of a strange choice, like with a different band, a really good band, some really great players from Sackville. And then things sort of immediately started imploding. And I thought um, I could keep writing. And I look back, I actually found an old Dropbox folder with like the songs I wrote at that time. Um and they're they're quite bad. like they're not very good songs, you know.
0: I was gonna um, ask did any of them make it onto the new record, but I, I guess not one I... of them
5: no one of them one did of them? yeah oh, one okay did, yeah, yeah. and I mean, like I'm not saying they're all bad, but like when I say bad, I mean, like they were coming from a place of like anger and fear and frustration and desperate like desperation to try to like continue, you know perpetuating this career that was just sort of like you know, from the outside, pretty clearly not um a good idea at that time and that I wasn't capable of. and so. I was writing, you know, sort of like angry songs and I don't want to put angry songs out into the world. And I'm really, I'm really glad that I didn't have the support at the time to put them out in any sort of way in any sort of meaningful way or, or, you know, record them and do anything with them because um, they, uh, they don't represent the sort of person I actually am, the sort of artist that I actually am, you know, so that, that that would be one example. Around 2015, I wound up living in Port Hope. And, you know, I was a mess. I was homeless. Like I like, (laughs) <laughs> Things like, I didn't have anything, you know. I didn't own an instrument, but I had some buddies there who were musicians, who you know really, who really care about me and love me, and 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 you know historically really loved and supported my my work as a writer and a performer. And we put a band together and started doing a weekly at this at this bar. But like, I had no business being in a bar, you know. And it was this really like complicated thing where my bandmates like behind my back, and I, I totally uh, respect why they did this at the time, but went to like the management of this bar and we're like please don't ever serve this guy any drinks, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I get there for our show and I'm like, when they're outside having a smoke, I go up, try to order a drink and they won't serve me. And then I'm mad. And then I go around the corner and find, you know, uh, another bar. And it's just like this sort of stuff, you know, like, that's not how, that's not, that's not a happy, responsible, positive experience of being an artist. Right. So those are a couple examples, right. Where like, I, I it was on my mind but I was just incapable of doing it. I was, I was incapable of doing it, but what was drawing me back to it was like nostalgia and ego and not the actual, which is like, I think something that people who are in the throes of addiction probably experience a lot. And I'm not going to beat myself up on that, but what was drawing me back wasn't like the love of producing music and writing music and collaborating with friends and like belonging to a creative community and all the things that are like, you know, most important to me. Now it was really about like, this is all I ever knew this is all that ever made me happy. So maybe if I try to do it, it'll, it'll make me happy, but I just kept on blowing it and blowing it. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, after that time, I just, I stopped completely.
0: But you eventually did come back to music, which is, which is wonderful. And I know one song on the album, Winter for uh, there's one song on there that is, uh, was, was your return to music, right? Uh, one million more from my understanding. Yeah. When is it kind of opening up about that, uh, that experience? I, I know it had something to do with your therapist and everything too.
5: Yeah. um, No, i had moved to Kingston in 2016. When I came here, I moved into, I was staying at like a shelter um, Mm -hmm. and sort of got back on my feet and moved in with a buddy in downtown Kingston. And, um, you know, he had a piano at his house where I was living and there was instruments around and I was beginning to like, you know, meet artists in Kingston and hang around, but I hadn't really got back to it. And um, I had a pretty, you know, it was a struggle because I sort of, got back on my feet for a bit and then relapsed. And, and it was this sort of complicated place for me to be emotionally because I, I was sort of like, I was standing on one foot, <laughs> you know yeah. like I had like I'd restabilized myself and I had sort of presented myself to this new community I was living in as like this this sober person and then started using again and it was in secret and I had had a couple things that happened that year that really sort of upset me and took it took their toll on me emotionally and so I was seeing this therapist to try and deal with um, these things that had sort of triggered me and that at that time I was blaming for my relapse and um, my therapist suggested you know like you, you talk a lot in the past tense about your work as an artist and how important that was to you. Um, and, you know, I would sort of complain about this total lack of, you know, identity or vision for my future because music is what that had always, those things had been, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I became a professional musician at a really young age and did it right up until I, I couldn't anymore. And so that therapist at that time suggested like, you know, why don't you try to write a song about this stuff that's on your mind as a cathartic practice and as a therapeutic practice. And maybe you'll be able to process this stuff and also conquer this longstanding standing you know, frustrating writer's block that that I had been experiencing. Um, And, you know, my brain was really congested, you know, and like, like I said, in 2012, I was writing angry songs. And by 2017, I was just angrier. (laughs) Five years of, you know, pretty traumatic stuff happened. And, you know, I did, I did what he, it was like, you know, my homework for therapy and I did exactly what he, he encouraged me to do. And it just sort of opened the floodgates, you know, and that song turned into, you know, I sort of, told the story of what had happened to me but ended it you know the writing the song ends with me sort of you know proclaiming a commitment to my my work as an artist um and to my health and to myself you know uh, and protecting my my sobriety and that was a huge step in the right direction I mean I didn't immediately get sober at that time but um it definitely began to like point the compass back towards my north star you know
0: yeah. Yeah, such a it's it really stood out on the album as mm-hmm. such like a strong, very poignant piece. And then to know the backstory of it too is just adds to it, I find really a tremendous thing for sure. Well I appreciate that you
5: you, <laughs> you uh, sat with it and, and feel that way.
0: Yeah, it was great. And now so this next, you know, next chapter of Winter of our Discotheque is the new uh, reprise, uh, which is a nice collaborative album. So like what, what kind of inspired this new extra project?
5: Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the, the winter of our tech record unfolded really organically, you know, like I said, it, it I didn't really have like a quote unquote product in mind. When I started recording it, it was really just to get in a studio and start getting my brain back into, into thinking like, you know, a, a producer and a songwriter. And when I started, you know, playing music again in 2018, um, I found myself around a lot of new musicians over the course of like o- almost a decade. There's a lot of new players on the scene. Right. And I found myself, you know, of course, I still had some relationships with some people that I had worked with, you know, in my late teens and early twenties, and you know, some people that I, that I'm, you know, remain very good friends and, and collaborators with, but I just started meeting so many people and I got signed to a label out of Ottawa called so sorry records. Um, okay. And yeah. I've, I've heard of it, them. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, we haven't acknowledged this in this interview yet, but you and I have met in person once. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, and, like in in twenty eighteen, yeah. In twenty eighteen, yeah, and so that was that's really interesting when I re- when I put it together that you that we had met that time and, and remembered who you were. Like that was how, sort of the weekend that changed my life. Oh, really? Um, that I was didn't know yeah. That. That, because what had happened was you know, that you were, you were in town for the, for the uh, Fringe Theater Festival. And yeah. I so I
0: guess some context is that uh, yeah. myself and then a good friend of mine, we put a show together, like a theater, a live cooking show actually for this uh, Kingston Fringe Festival. And then Michael was there. I don't remember exactly your role, but I remember you were there like a whole week, just part of the festivities mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of being there to help people and celebrate, you know, live theater, which is cool. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. So my involvement was that I was a volunteer and I was a um I was a billet. Oh um, right. Yeah. 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 So Mariah Horner, who's a dear friend of mine who was running that that theater festival at the time, um, and probably still should be, she yep. um <laughs> that's, that's, she, a different thing. <laughs> that's a different thing, yeah. She um she had asked me if I wanted to billet this really cool artist from from Ottawa. And, and my immediate response was, no, I just wasn't up for it. And, and the fact of the matter is I wasn't up for it because I was still really struggling. Like I was trying really hard to stay sober, but relapsing kind of all the time. And I didn't want to bring somebody into my house and potentially expose them to that. But then Mariah kind of, you know, doubled down and said, you know, you'll really get along with this person. Um, Their, their work is incredible. Um and I think that they would really like you and you would really like them and that person was Madeline Hall who's a, a
0: theater artist from yes from Ottawa so I'm, talented yeah
5: yeah one of the one of the nation's best for sure and um so Madeline and I immediately just immediately clicked we like just right away really really got along and her partner Julian came to town as well and you know they were staying at my house and you know you remember that that festival it was like everybody was yeah, kind of out every awesome. night and. And honestly, like, despite my anxiety about like potentially exposing um, like a new friend or, you know, a stranger or a new friend to what was going on in my life, I, for the first time in a long time, you know, I was, I was completely sober that whole time. And I loved every second of it. You know, I was, I was back, I was around creative people. I was, you know, I was so energized. I was going to all these shows. I was volunteering. So I was feeling, you know, fulfilled by being, you know, some sort of service and, and supporting my friend Mariah Um, and it was fun. like, you remember how much
0: fun that was like going out every night
5: to that, that one patio where like they made crappy pizzas or crappy, was it pizza or no nachos, nachos, nachos. Yeah. (laughs) I remember
0: the the really nice backyard patio and the name of the bar, but I think I was there, I was in Kingston this summer and I think it's well, mostly because of COVID, but I think it it's, closed gone now, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gone now. Yeah. It's gone now.
5: Yeah. I just remember that we all got nachos every night and the quality of the nachos went down every night. They got worse <laughs> and worse every night. We were just but ordering anyway, too many nachos. Yeah. Yeah. There was too many people showing up and yeah, clogging up their, uh, their nacho oven. But so anyways, yeah. So Julian, Julian runs a label called so sorry out of Ottawa. And I mean, at this point, uh, one million more was literally the only song I had written in seven years. Um, yeah. And Mariah had asked me to perform um, sort of in the lobby of one of the shows before. And I, I brought down my guitar and I just played some cover songs. Um, and it was probably if probably, the first time I had performed in a really, really, really long time. Um, and it didn't feel that significant when she asked me. I was just like, yeah, sure, that'd be fun. And then Julian and Madeline came and watched me perform. And, and Julian was very enthusiastic about it, despite it not being original work or anything, just covers. And then one thing led to another, and, and as they were leaving, you know, Julian said, you know, I run this little label, maybe we could talk about that sometime, and I followed up, and then I got signed to, to So Story out of that, and that completely, completely shifted um, my path in life, but, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty pivotal experience for me, um, as a person and as an artist, so... I started, I started, you know, obviously getting signed to the label committed me to making a record. <laughs> so yeah. I started working on this record more, more thoroughly. They re-released my album for 2012, which had never really kind of officially seen the light of day. Um, Julian and Madeline and I um, traveled to the Yukon together and did a series of shows up there with other artists who were on so sorry. They became really important people in my life for a while. Julian remains a really important person in my life now. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Let's keep going. I was going to say the the Yukon trip. I know one of the tracks on the collaborative album was uh, through one of the artists you had met up there, right? Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah. So that's a perfect example. Actually, that's a perfect example of how this thing came about. So, you know, I started touring again and like, I love, meeting new artists and I love talking about collaboration. I'm sort of a compulsive collaborator, you know, like yeah. um, when I meet somebody and I really vibe with them, like right away, I start thinking like, you know, how could I contribute to their work or, or vice versa? Or how could we, you know, that sort of thing. And so the people who appear on this this reprise compilation, which is a collection of, you know, remixes and interpretations and covers of, of each song off of my record, The Winter Our Discotheque. With the exception of the, the band who performs um, One Million More, which is a band out of Toronto uh, called Joyful Joyful, who are this incredible droney, like, sacred music uh, project, um, who are really old friends of mine. Cormac from Joyful Joyful is one of my, my oldest friends and collaborators. But the, the, the remaining seven artists on the project are all people I met sort of between that time, that week where I met Julian and got signed to So Sorry, and putting this out now, they're all new friends that I made over the course of like returning to a life in music. And that wasn't intentional. It wasn't until I was talking to my publicist about like how are we gonna present this to the world and explain it to her. She's like, Wow, that's like, you know, that's the story, that's the narrative, right? Is yeah. that you you didn't know any of these people with the exception of one, you know, one one performer, and you met all of them only like through returning to music. And so Again, this wasn't intentional, but, you know, The Winter of Our Discotheque is a record that very much deals with themes of loneliness and, and isolation and sort of, like, aspiring to return to some sort of community. And then this reprise compilation is very much a celebration of that having happened. And <laughs> so it was one of those things where, like, when it's once it was done and I sort of had somebody have to, like, you know, look at it and frame it that way to me, it, it really does sort of make me quite emotional because it's um, it is that. It's, like, it's a testament not to anything that I've done, but just to, like in a in a general way sort of like the really interesting and fascinating and powerful web of relationships that you know are born out of um you know a life uh you know lived in 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 music and creativity but also I think it gestures to the tremendous support that that I've had um and sort of the the all the incredible artists who are working right now in the Canadian music landscape and a lot of these things also were produced during COVID as well. Um, And I think in a way it's it's an interesting sort of example of how artists are continuing to form and strengthen relationships during this time
0: yeah and it's it is really is like a canadian project because i know it's not just you know ontarians you know from toronto or kingston helping out like there's musicians on there from you know the yukon i think montreal uh was there from someone from bc or alberta as well too i think
5: um, um yeah Halifax or something Halifax, from Halifax. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: so it really does it's it's amazing how you were able to establish these relationships in what like a year and a half that were kind of cross Canada
5: almost. yeah and again uh, I mean it was all it was all very organic you know like I wasn't out hunting for people to do remixes
0: of my yeah. songs
5: or anything like that it it really just began because um I did a sh- couple of shows with Joyful Joyful and um, they were really smitten with, with that tune, 1 million more. And they said, you know, we, we think we'd like to do an interpretation of this. Um, and at the time they, I think they had just meant sort of like in their live performance. And then it turned into this recording project. And then the second person, if I remember correctly, was Jer Parkin, who's an artist from uh, Kwanla Dunland First Nation up in Whitehorse. And um, we met backstage at a show in, in Whitehorse and just hit it off and became friends. and And I was back up there again last year and we were working on another project and it just sort of organically spelled out that you know I said you know I've got one band doing this thing like are you interested in, in doing one as well and then I, I can't even remember what came next it was just like all of a sudden I like had this whole thing in front of me and and we decided to do something with it
0: yeah that's awesome and actually uh, Jeremy's is probably my favorite of the of the remixes I think his Candy Store is that the one he did
5: yeah 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 I mean that one Jer- really j- stuck out Jeremy is a magic wizard like he is he is just the most talented. know i mean all those all those people are are extremely talented but jeremy is a uniquely talented artist i've been in studio with him and he he's an interesting collaborator because you know i i you know as i was complaining about my sore back when before we started taping like i'm getting a bit older and jeremy is you know you know he's he's 11 or 12 years younger than me and came up in a very different sort of um world of music production and so he he just has this completely different perspective than what i have so we really have to sort of connect on this conceptual level and we when when we connect on the conceptual level then his practice of producing and performing is so different than mine and it brings this whole new layer to to my projects and hopefully moving forward we're collaborating on all sorts of projects but i'm just i'm just in awe of the work that he does and i mean that so sincerely you know i'm not i'm not just blowing smoke and you know each person who contributed to the reprise project is an artist that I have so much admiration and so much respect for. And that is, um, you know, really, for me, deeply fulfilling to, you know, A, of course, have people work with my, my material, but like just to be surrounded by people of that sort of level of um, that kind know, of caliber skin, so. and
0: creativity. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I also wanted to, you know, bring to light too, like, you're saying how, Uh, this collaborative project, like a lot of musicians, especially now with COVID are making sure to establish like very unified relationships and Mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. And I also, I think this kind of touches in on your story as well as how important that is, especially during these times on people's, especially artists, their mental health and uh, just remaining, you know, strong about everything. And Mm -hmm. um, has that helped you, I guess, kind of getting back to music, finding those, that community relationship, has that kind of made you, you know, Stronger mentally, that's
5: something that's, I mean, that's been 100% of it, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't take a whole ton of credit for, um, you know, my well, and for my well being in a way, you know, like I, I guess I made that first move, I took that first step, and then a community lifted me up. And I think that everything I have now is directly, you know, resulted from having people just being so open to having me or having me back, you know, whatever those dynamics are. And and it's really special to be around people who, like, I mean, I just said this, but it's, it's really special to be connected to people. And now, you know, online <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. um, who, who just blow me away. Not, and not just as artists as people, you know, interesting, thoughtful, kind, generous Beautiful people you know I have a community as well um, you know I belong to a recovery community as well and they that community has been you know obviously just so important to, to my health and well-being as well and um, I think that you know to answer your question I think that like it's it, it has been everything it's been like literally everything yeah
0: yeah that's like a nice note to to finish on is you know how important it is to have a, a pack with you especially as a musician so
5: mm-hmm. you know I would love to direct people um, towards the um, you know all of the artists who appear on that um, on that compilation to check out their all their respective recordings and um, you know their the, their other projects and to support those and also would like to um, mention that we're releasing the full compilation next Friday which is a Bandcamp day and oh, it'll yeah, be av- it'll be it'll be available on Bandcamp and when it's first for sale all the all the proceeds are going to be going to the Encampment Support Network in Toronto which is an organization that is. Doing everything they can without resources from the city of Toronto directly to um, house house people during this this public health crisis and with winter setting in. And uh, so, I would love um, you know if people do have an interest in in supporting this project, if if um, they wanted to <laughs> purchase it on that day, um, in, in order for um, you know to be able to donate as much as much as we can to that extremely important cause and the really important work that those people are doing.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay. Yeah. I I totally forgot about that. That's awesome. Um, Well then, so the new companion project winter of our discotheque reprise will be out on Friday, December 4th, like you mentioned. Uh, Thank you so much for, I guess, sitting down with me virtually, Michael.
5: Mm -hmm. My pleasure, man. Wonderful.
0: Well, that was fun. Now don't forget the winter of our discotheque reprise is out December 4th and that was Michael C. DeGay. Now I'm not going to blabber on too much more. I think that covered it pretty well. Here is leave me if you love me redone by Brave Moon originally performed by Michael C. Thank you. Now, I know that was probably one of the longer episodes, uh, especially compared to last week's, but thank you so much for sticking through it. There's just so much new music to go around. I just want to share it all with you guys. You know, I just want to wrap you up in a blanket like a little cocoon and shove it down your throats. Now, if you have a chance, please rate and review the show. Um, Aggressive cuddling aside. And more importantly, let me know if you really enjoyed a song I featured. Just tag me in something. Just even DM me. I don't care. I want to hear from you. I love knowing that your ears are picking up on some of the exciting new artists, so don't be shy. I'm certainly not. Now, as a quick recap, don't forget merch, newsletter, Christmas shopping, and oh, playlists. Don't forget my playlist. My starting lineup playlist is up there on Spotify. I added some new songs this week, and uh, I got a bunch of different genres going as well. Hip-hop, punk, metal, R&B, electronic, whatever you guys want to listen to, I've got a playlist for you of all new releases. So, go exploring. It's snowing out here in Toronto. What else are you going to do? Huh? Exactly. Go explore my website, dustyorgan.com. I'm Kate Wilkinson, and thank you so much for listening to the From the Inbox podcast. I'm not going good to goodbye, so goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
0: From the Inbox, the podcast was written and recorded by Kane Wilkinson. Editing was done by a Hallmark Christmas movie protagonist. It was recorded in front of the gentle falling snow. From the Inbox, the podcast is the Dusty Over production. All songs were used with the proper permissions. Woo! That was one take. That was one take. Boom. Cool.